Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. I want to say, Pastor Sean, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah, I want to correct something that was said last week. I don't want anything misinformation going out from our church. It was said last week that that Sunday told you. Last Sunday was Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and that was incorrect. It's actually Pastor Appreciation Month. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, they said it was like a Sunday, but it's not. It's like a whole month. (laughs) And uh, this month, there are five Sundays. (laughs) You have more opportunities to appreciate appreciate your pastor than ever before. Pastor Brittany, I appreciate you. You appreciate, yeah. More than ever, more than ever before, you have more opportunities. And we have a website. We're all um, registered at different places. You can go on, sort of like a wedding registry. Yeah, you can go on and find out what we want for Pastor's Appreciation Month. You messed that website. They're at email. And uh, Pastor Isaac, I, I appreciate you. Yeah, anyway, okay, let's move on from that, all right? This is, <laughs> missions month is October. Um, and uh, first week you learned about our influence that we have in Japan and South Africa. And we talked about that God loves the lost. He really does. And last week we learned about the Czech Republic. We have ministries there. And a uh, great visitor from Ukraine that talked to us about the fathering ministry that's going on, and we're excited about that. We like partnering with ministers, ministries that really share our heart, and uh, just that God loves the oppressed, and that area of the world has been oppressed, or was oppressed for over 50 years. Um, and each week we had a little snack, we had a little Japanese snack. We had the first week, we had a little European chocolates last week, and this week we're not going to have a snack, because we couldn't think of what to bring from Ecuador. You know that, well, I won't go into that. Um, Go for it? No, nobody said go for it. No, they, they actually eat um, guinea pigs. They should have gone for it. They put them on little, like, little rotisserie things. And they're like, no, this is serious. And they're like, you have them for pets? Like, why would you have these for pets? So anyway, um, we didn't do guinea pig. The only other option would be bananas. And uh, so we didn't have opportunity because it's Compassion Sunday as well. Um, and you know the story that whenever my wife comes home from the store, she better have bananas from Ecuador because I know and love the people, administer to the people down there in that area. And uh, they're very precious. You're going to hear from me today. They're very precious to my heart. Today we're going to talk about that God loves the poor. And we have a history with Ecuador. We've been ministering down there. I think it's been six years. It's been six years, I think, because the first time I was there visiting, I flew out. It was an election. It was the election day. So what, the second Tuesday of November, right? And I was flying out, and as I got on the plane, everybody was convinced that Hillary Clinton was going to win, and I landed, and my phone blew up from the news and everything else that Trump was going to win. And I remember meeting the first person 
that I met, and they're like, what in the world is America thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I'll call everybody when I get home, find out. Um, <laughs> all the people that I know, right? Needless to say, not all the news gets spread the same way across the world. But anyway, so I'll never forget that day because I got off the plane and just blow up, and then they're like bewildered um, um, and like that. So that was our first day I was there. And the interesting thing about that visit was we'd been connecting with the churches there and the Ar- Arco churches, which we have just fallen in love with. It's like they are. There are sister churches in Ecuador. If we were an Ecuadorian church, we would look just like the group of churches that are there. And uh, they had let this pastor know in Manta, and Manta is a beach community, um, this pastor known in Manta that we were coming, and they wanted to connect the two churches together. And it was interesting because he got called on a Sunday afternoon, but on Saturday night before that Sunday, he had a dream that three people would be coming that were going to be visitors that would be very important to their church. And so the next day, they called after church from the head organization saying, hey, listen, um, it was me, Alan, and um, Reming, Aaron Reming, plan on going. And they said, these three guys are going to be showing up there in a couple months. Are you okay to receive them? And he's like, wow, I had this dream last night. We told the church um, that they, you know, this thing would be coming. And so far, we've just really, um, we're excited about that because we've just really fallen in love with the ministry there and the people there. Um, And the first time I was there, I just felt like God gave me a message to speak to the pastors. And it was a message of rest, the Sabbath, rest, and the importance of, as a pastor of family, of having vacation times and getting together. And I spoke it to this pastor, and Judy and I had taken them out to dinner, and I, was, I asked them finally because they were just so overburdened by the ministry and overburdened by work. And I finally said to him, go, when was the last time you guys had a vacation? He said, oh, I think about three years ago. And his wife goes, no, it's been four years. And uh, it really touched his heart. Like, in, not in a, you know, like he'd been missing out on something. Like he had forgotten about something. And so then the next couple of days, we went to another city where about four or five of the main pastors came to sit down with me, and they're like, what is the Lord sharing to you? And I started telling him about this, and he was translating about the Sabbath and the rest and vacation. And they told him, when I finally got to this part, they thought I was coming to sell them like some vacation rental type thing, right? Like <laughs> I was like this timeshare type of thing that I was pitching to these guys. <laughs> they're like, we just kept waiting for the hook on the timeshare. And um, it's interesting because they had, they had that sort of spirit about give everything, and if you do that, then God's going to take care of your family. And one of the pastors said that he had for 15 years not had taken a vacation with his family, and then that summer he took a vacation. And a 16-year-old girl who had been struggling with her faith in the church said to her dad, thank you, I thought you loved them more than you loved me. And it was that simple little time of really focusing on family that sort of turned her heart back around. So that was the first time that I went. And then I'd gone again, and then we took some guys from the church. We took, I don't know, four or five. Jeff was on that trip, and uh, Mike was, Mike's back there, I think, somewhere. Mike was on that trip with us. And we went and did a men's retreat. And the special thing that I remember at that men's retreat that was so powerful was um, there was this guy that came who had lost a couple years earlier his wife and his daughter in an earthquake. And there was a great earthquake that happened in that city and a lot of destruction, a lot of death. And from that moment that he lost his wife and his daughter, he had gone blind. 
like he just had overcome him. And so he came to the, the retreat we were doing, and of course he had his, um, his stick and somebody was on his arm, and he just looked broken, and um, I, I don't know the right word, but you, you could just tell that there was a heavy, lot of heavy things on his heart. And that night on a Saturday night, or Friday night, I'm sorry, he had a dream that he had been water, that he would be water baptized the next day. And this vivid dream. Well, that's that Saturday morning I spoke in the men's retreat about the power of water baptism. And like he knew that there was no understanding. So he went to the pastor as well as like seven other guys and said, I just want to be baptized today. And so he gets baptized and he comes out of the water and he's just sobbing and crying and crying out to God. Like I knew something was going on. I finally asked, I asked the pastor later on, I go, what was that? And he just said, I, he was crying out, I'm so sorry, I will never leave you again. I will never forget about you again. And he was crying. So the next day, I'm preaching on a Sunday morning at the church. And I get done, and this guy gets up and starts walking towards me. And I, I didn't recognize him. This is a totally different person. He goes, you know who I am? And I go, uh, yeah. And he goes, ever since I was baptized, I've been able to start singing again. My sight has been coming back to me. And I'm like, wow. Um, and, I, and I believe God can definitely physically heal somebody, but I'm not so sure that a darkness didn't come over him a little bit in the sense of a physical manifestation because of an emotional wound. Like there's something mentally and emotionally happening. And I think that's true. I think all of us, it can be stress, it can be all kinds of things that we deal with things physically because of just the emotional or uh, mental aspects of life that can attack us. Um, I truly believe that's happening. I believe that's why, you know, when we going through, we're going through a transition that next year I've got to focus on my health. And I need six months to a year that all I think about is, is healing. In fact, one of my counselors said, in fact, the only thing you need to be praying about is your healing during this time. Like, you've got to really make sure you get this right. And I do, according to what, you know, the doctors told me, like, the fusing process of my neck, I've got to get that right. I don't get a second chance on that. If, if that goes wrong... Then we're down a road that, you know, I'll be seeing surgery after surgery. And I believe the Lord can take care of me and protect me. But in that, I also need to protect uh, my emotional and uh, mental state during this time so that I can heal well. And I think that's a word for all of us. Um, I was told by a, a doctor, my doctor, family doctor, Rada, he, he's retired, but I've had him, Gene and I were with him for 30, 40 years or something like that. Just a great doctor. He's been around for a while, of course, and people in the medical community, if I say his name, they know who he is, if they've been around. And he was talking to me once. We were dealing with some stuff. And he said, you know, people tell me that I, they think I'm calloused as a doctor. Because, but when I know the next day I have to go in and tell somebody, you're dying of cancer, you got six months to leave, I, I don't sleep that night. Like, it just wrecks me all night long. Like, I don't sleep. I can't eat in the morning. He goes, I know that you deal with the same stuff. Like, when you know that a family's crashing, and you know that children or somebody's passed or somebody's been really hurt, because I know you live with sort of that same, that same sort of pressure that gets on you that just impacts us. And, and if your marriage is going south, and there's, no, there's no, nothing greater, I think, than seeing your marriage go south or a child that's being hurt or wounded um, they're making wrong choices as a parent, as a husband, as a wife. Those things weigh on you heavily, and they can cause physical manifestations in your health. 
And so that's why I think protecting that, protecting yourself emotionally. And, and the scripture does bring healing, but the scripture brings wisdom too. And sleeping well. And, and so I think that part of having the Lord in my life is his spirit helping me and understand um, how to go through life properly and well. Because if we don't do well, if we don't finish well, I tell my pastors on staff all the time, if you lose your family, we all lose. It's not just you. Like everybody you've ever ministered to and touched, we all lose. We lose something. And I would say the same thing to parents. Like if you're not doing well in all aspects, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if you're not whole, and if you're lacking an area, and there are manifestations of that, and sometimes it can be even emotional manifestations. If you're not doing well that way, then we all are losing out on, on the totality of what God has created. And He's created us in many faceted ways. And so, anyway, I don't know why I'm chasing this rabbit. Maybe somebody needs to hear this. But I was preaching to them just the rhythm of the Lord. And the Lord has a wonderful rhythm to our life. And if we neglect the spiritual because we're so involved in what something's going on, then we neglect a part of our life. Um, so I was preaching this, and unfortunately, I, I bring it round that this couple that we love so dearly, we brought the family here on a vacation to our church. They ministered to our church. We took them up to the Grand Canyon. It was sort of fun, this Ecuadorian family. The daughters were there, too. Um, we were at the Grand Canyon. It was February? No, we're in Williams. I'm sorry. And there was a front coming in. And they're notoriously late. It's just like... Whenever time. There's not just like, they're not like on time. In fact, when we go to minister there, the churches might start an hour late. They don't really care about time. And so I just told them, I said, listen, there's a front coming in. I'm leaving at 9 in the morning whether you're in the, in the car or not. And sure enough, they showed up at 8.58. Like, they're ready to go. <laughs> like, we're ready. So we get in the car. We get to the Grand Canyon. And we saw for maybe 10 minutes, they're just in all the beauty. And whoosh, the clouds come in. And the snow starts falling. Well, they've never seen snow. Like, even the, they're in their 50s, the, the husband and wife. And so they start playing snowball fights, and we're like on the rim of the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, you know what? You might not want to do that right here. <laughs> we might want to back off a little bit from the outside of the rim. But they just had the, the greatest time having a vacation here. Unfortunately, they had a bit of a crash. Um, 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 a bit of a moral failure, and um, the family didn't make it. I, I mean, the marriage didn't make it. But in that, they stepped down, and um, the church was hit really hard. But I just felt like I needed to keep supporting them as a church. And what I didn't realize is what we were giving financially. Because I like to give, I mean, when it comes to missions, I prefer a fewer people that are very directly in relationship with us to really have an impact than like a ton of people at $25 a piece. So we were, in, we were pouring into them pretty well. I didn't realize the exchange rate, like it was really well for them, but we were giving to their congregation, and I felt like we should continue to give, even though their history, their future was in stake a little bit. And um, unbeknownst to me, it carried them through. They got them through the next year. And after that, the church now has put down an elder down there to um, from... From another city, that church has sent them a pastor to be their lead pastor. Um, the church is making it. And uh, they have a video that they sent to us. And I, as I told you, every, every 
week, I've asked our missionaries to send us a video, say hello, and then to pray over us in their native language. The video quality is really bad, so we're going to listen to it, watch a little bit of it, and then I'm going to translate it for you as they speak. So let's shoot the video. So these are the elders of the church. The new pastor's there in the white with this arm with glasses around the other guy. Uh, I know him. His name is Paul. And great musician as well, and the worship leader. Um, and uh, this is what they're saying to us, all right? Um, hello, Pastor Lloyd. Oh, that's from Lori. Lori, where's Lori and Joe? They're not. They're out there. I appreciate Lori, even though she's not a pastor, but we'll... Uh, we appreciate that they did this. <laughs> you can appreciate people that aren't pastors this month, too. It doesn't just, just pastors. <laughs> Her, she and Joe translated this for me, okay? I knew Waymaker in Spanish because I have it on my worship list. I sing it all the time. So as Pastor Lloyd, esteemed and fellow brothers and sisters at Streams Church, we want to thank you, and we are sending our greetings and appreciation from Arco Monta Church. May the Lord bless your home church. I am joined by our leaders and the elders of our church in prayer for your church. And he introduces everybody. Um, we feel and have all the blessings to you as friends to our church. We thank you for your financial support and keeping us in your prayers, especially during the pandemic. Um, and as you can tell, their attendance has been hit by the pandemic as well. Um, thanks to God, we have all returned to attending church, and we've even grown in numbers of attendees from before the pandemic. Through your support and the support of our congregation, we have been able to add another building to continue and grow our work. Thank you for your help in doing this. And then he prays for us. Our Celestial Father, please look and care for all those at Streams Church, all the pastors, the elders, the leaders, the parish and friends at Streams Church. May their congregation grow as well. We continue to give all of our love and blessings to our friends and family at Streams Church. Bless their lives and continue to provide in abundance. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So that's, well, that's um, the message from them to us, and we want to thank you for that. The reason why um, I say our support is so powerful is because they now have become a Compassion International Church. And I'd never been exposed to, I mean, I take that back. I've been exposed to Compassion International. I'd never seen it firsthand until I was in Ecuador. We also support three churches down in El Oro, and southern Ecuador is the banana plantation country. If you've ever been to Kansas or anything like that where you just see cornfields and wheat fields like everywhere, when you go down southern Ecuador, it's like that with banana plants. It's like you just drive through just... Um, plantation after plantation of banana plants everywhere. And the, 
And the disparity there is those who own the land are very wealthy, and those who work the fields are very poor. It's extreme poverty. So the three Arco churches down in southern Ecuador, they're Compassion International churches. So Compassion International comes in and actually helps them financially. But in that, the church sets up a kitchen and an after-school program where the kids are tutored every day, where they're given healthy meals. They then get them, um, get them into the medical clinics. They help them with their, um, with their families and taking care of the families. But the church has become a center, like this is the church. So we know those churches. We support those churches down in southern Ecuador, which are ministering to hundreds of children that they bring in every day. And I also know, because I've seen it firsthand, how they then share Jesus with these kids. Like they're, they're teaching them the Word of God. And so it, I was really, really, really impressed. And because we were able to help keep the church in Manta alive and going, they are now the Compassion International Church of that whole area, where now they are ministering to those kids. So not only are we impacting the churches, we're, placing, we're, we're providing a haven for families to get well and to get whole and to um, and provide for their children. Um, today I want to just talk to you very quickly about that God loves the poor. And there's a couple of scriptures I want to read to you. Deuteronomy 15, I'll read this 7 through 11. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend to them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. Every seven years, the debts were canceled. It was part of their, the law. And uh, what would happen is then in the sixth year, there was no way you're going to loan somebody money because you knew a year later the debt was going to be canceled. So he says, don't be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. And that is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and the Israelites in, in need. There's a couple things we learn from this. First of all, there's always going to be poor in the land. We live in a broken world. We live in a world of disparity. Um, we, we live in a world where some things are really honored financially and other things are not honored. Uh, it's, it's all askew that somebody can throw a football and make multi-millions and somebody could teach a child and not make hardly anything at all. I mean, we understand all those things. Um, but that's just the world we live in. And, and we are very fortunate here. Most of us here in the United States have, been, have lived very wealthy lives. Um, but yet we wonder why they're poor. And it has nothing to do with God loves us more than he loves them. It's just this broken world is that way. God's not at fault um, that there are poor among us. This is the broken world. One way there will not be poor among us. But there are poor among us. And uh, you say, why doesn't he do something about it? Well, he does. That's why you're here and that's why I'm here. Right? That's why Jesus said, if you have two coats and you see a brother with no coats, right? what do you do? You, you give them a coat. Right? If you have more 
And they don't have any. And I'm convinced that if everybody who understood what wealth is all about understood how in America, if you make more than $50,000 a year, you're one of the top percentage of the wealthiest people in the world. You know, we say, well, I'm, you know, my third car's broken down. Please pray for me, right? <laughs> like, okay. Well, most of the world, nobody has a car. They walk, or they, if they're fortunate, they might have a horse or a donkey. So we need to understand that if we really did everything we could do, I think across the world, um, there would be very little poor among us. I, I truly believe that we could make that big of a difference in this world. Um, so God is doing something about it because he's calling us um, to be a part of that and to help the poor among us. And he says, if you're going to your land and you see any poor Israelites there, don't be hard-hearted, don't be tight-fisted, don't look at the ramifications that if they don't pay you back, like, be generous, help them out. And, then, and we know in the New Testament that was the way they, op- they operated, right? When they came to faith, there was this new church, and if there was any in need, it says, the church gave and helped each other out and took care of one another. And I think in our church that we do that well um, when we find out about situations or needs. Um, I know my wife took a, a meal to our new parents last night and helped them get through and as they have this new baby in their house. And we do that really well here, so I appreciate you guys being a part of that. Um, but we we'll always have poor, and we need to do something about it. Now, Leviticus, this is the law. This isn't even grace yet. Leviticus 19 Verses 9 through 10 say this. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Everybody who has a grape crop, please listen up. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. And so God is saying is that if there's extra, like if you just don't, you've got to leave a portion of what's on your grapevine, and you need to leave a portion of what's in your fields so that the poor among us may have something to eat. Like there should be a portion of what you have that you give towards those who are needy. And I believe that with all my heart. There should be a portion of what we have that we support those. Um, don't eat everything. I don't, I don't um, give money to people I don't know if they're asking for money. But I've never refused anybody getting anybody food. Like, I'll go get you food. And my daughters sort of know how we've lived life. And we were coming home. My daughter was 16. Sarah was 16, so that was many years ago. We were coming home from a softball practice. We decided to go through um, one of the Bertos. I don't know, it was Filiberto or you know, all the... They're all the, the little fast food restaurants that are so good. And we were, we were um, in the fast food lane, and we're getting our food in the drive-thru, and this gentleman comes up and says, hey, do you have any money to spend? It was sort of this awkward moment with the cashier and me, and he's standing there so I can get something to eat. And I said, you know, I won't give you money, but I'll get you anything you want off this menu. Like, you can order anything right now, and I'll get it for you. He goes, all right. And so he orders his meal. I said, I only have one other, I'm sort of, you know, prereqs that we want to pray for you. Can we do that? Um, and he goes, yeah. So we prayed for him. And then I told Lacey, whatever he wants, get it. I'll pay for it. And I probably got his meal. We got our meal. And uh, we, we, and my daughter 
Like, those are the lessons they learn about our life. Like, this, we just won't refuse to help anybody eat a meal. Um, I used to have a jack. In my, when I had my Bronco, and I was a real man, I had... <laughs> We had minivans forever, and then I got a Bronco when the kids grew up, and now we have grandkids, so we got another, like, one of those things in case they show up. So we have plenty of room in the vehicle. <laughs> but I had that window when I was a real man, <laughs> and I had a Bronco. <laughs> and, but I had one of those massive jacks, you know, the big jacks, that you pump but I kept that in my Bronco. Because anytime I saw somebody that might have a flat, I got out, and they'd be like, wicker, 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 wicker. go, just a second, let me show you something, right? It's magical. And I put it in there, wah, 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 wah. and we changed that tire like that, right? And they're like, thank you so much, especially in Arizona when it gets hot, right? And so um, he says, don't, don't take everything of your excess for yourself. Make sure you leave a portion for the poor. Like, don't get greedy with all this. Make sure there's something there. And I believe that with all my heart, that we need to be those type of people that make sure that we help provide. And then the last scripture I want to share with you is Proverbs, two scriptures out of Proverbs. 1431, those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. And then 17.5, those who mock the poor insult their maker, those who rejoice in the misfortune of others will be punished. And there's just a sense that we need to make sure that we never, ever, ever devalue another person according to their income or according to where they live or according to how much they have. That does not mean that God's blessed us or favored us more than he's got blessed them or favored them. It just happens to be they were born in a different part of the world. That's all it means. And um, I, I take exception to people who might think that way. I've even been around people who have tried to take a national disaster as somehow the hand of God moving against a group of people. And that, that bothers me greatly for us to think that way. We insult our maker when we think that way. Like when we act that way, when we speak those things, when we think somehow we're highly, more highly blessed or favored because of where we live or because of the job we have, it is. It's an insult to God. And we need not to think that way. Um, the reason I bring all these up is that we, we have Compassion Sunday today. Um, we're going to ask you to think and pray about that. I want to tell you our story. We started in 2005. When we first started the church, we had a Compassion Sunday. And my family picked up a little girl out of Haiti called Luisianta. And uh, the reason we picked her was because uh, my mother's middle name is Luis and Brittany, my daughter's name is, middle name is Luis, and her name was just like that. And so we picked her. And it was, I don't know, $29, $30 a month, something like that back then. And we have supported her ever since, all through grade school. And she sends us letters, and we send her letters. And when it's her birthday, we give a little more money so she can get a birthday present. And when it's Christmas time, we give a little more money. And they've had two hurricanes that just devastated their island. And we've uh, helped out to make sure that she and her family were doing well. And we've seen her go from... Just that little girl through college now, we've helped support her all the way through. And it just, it touches my heart to think that we had the opportunity to make sure she was well-fed, to make sure she got the medical care that she needed, that she got trained well in teaching in school so she could go to college, and that she learned about Jesus. And it didn't, it wasn't, and you think about it, it's not really that much, right? And so we, we as a family owned that together. 
our children's department have several kids that they started owning a couple years ago. And on VBS every year, they have a penny, they call it a penny war. And the boys bring change and the girls bring change and they see at the end of VBS who wins. And that week, they raise the money to support those children overseas. And I think it's just powerful. And I think if you have a family, it's one of the greatest things you can do. Today, we're very fortunate to have, we're going to do Compassion Sunday. And um, we have these um, little packets out here in the foyer. And I asked them from Compassion Announced, I said, would you give us kids from Ecuador? And these are kids that surround the churches that we support already, that we're a part of. So the chances of... Uh, me or anybody who goes to Ecuador, meeting them one day is very high. And that's what I wanted. I want a place that we could go. Um, these days, it's $38 a month to sponsor a child, which isn't much. And uh, to think that we can make an impact one child at a time. So I'm going to ask you, as you leave today, would you think about this? You go out and you fill out the little card, and, and then they send it in. And then there's a correspondence. It's really cool. You'll get letters. Um, and they'll translate them for you, and then you get to send back letters that they translate for you. And you start a relationship with a child overseas or maybe a parent of a child overseas, and you can have a big impact. So today we want to honor that, and I would ask you to really think about this, that, that what sacrifices do you need to make? Um, how, many, how many pumpkin spice lattes is $38? Maybe about five? five? This is my pumpkin spice latte outfit. I only break it out once a year for about three weeks. And then, <laughs> and then I put it away again. <laughs> so I think it's maybe five um, caramel macchiatos. Something like that. Um, to sponsor a child. And I'd really like you to consider that today as we pray. We're going to end with this video um, that shows a little more about Compassion International. God wants us to help other kids so we can make a difference so that people in other countries have exactly all that we, they need. This is our story of sponsoring a child with compassion. So let's start off with compassion. Compassion is a thing that helps other kids develop and get what they need and stuff. And the Bible is pretty clear that generosity is not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. I remember our pastor at our church sharing about how if you don't have to walk to work every day and you have a car, like you are like one of the wealthiest people in the world. That perspective made me realize how much I really have. And I realized that it was really important that we start being generous. You know, we wanted to sponsor a child, and so we looked with Evie and picked out a, a child whose birthday was, was kind of close to hers, so they were around the same age, and, and it was a girl also, and her name is Marabella, and she's from the Philippines. Um, Marabella is six. She likes singing. She also likes drawing, I think. Understanding the concept of poverty isn't personal until you put a face to it. And compassion put a face to poverty and a child's name to poverty. And um, it became this huge concept that's just out there somewhere and gave us an actual person to impact. So they, so Mirabella's year was like they had hurricanes. Hurricanes over there. 
typhoons over there. It made me want to help him because when I think about things that I didn't really like or times where it was hard, I think about poverty and how hard poverty would be. And I, and I thought, I wonder how these people feel. I was in the kitchen and Evie woke up and came in the kitchen and she, she literally walked out of her bedroom with this idea pretty much fully formed to the degree that she shared with me, Dad, I had this idea that um, I, could, I could draw pictures, me and my friends could draw pictures, and then people could buy the pictures for a dollar, and then we could send that money to people who are poor. I hoped that it would make a difference, that I'd make enough art to raise $500. You know, she came out of her bedroom thinking about someone else, which is huge for a child to do, and then thinking, what do I have? What, what ability, what assets do I have that I can use to make a difference? So, you know, we thought that getting involved with Compassion, sponsoring a child, we were going to be making a difference. And what we found is that through, through that, Compassion has given us um, a story and this purpose. Well, God wants us to do our gifts because He wants to make the world a better place and a better place for other people. Um, we don't consider ourselves as having very much, but um, because we had this uh, priority, both of, of the type of family we wanted to be, the type of people we wanted to be as followers of Jesus, as parents, um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. And so um, you have to move your treasure around to put your heart in the right place. As people are thinking about whether to sponsor a child, I want to tell everybody, like, do it. Like, it's gonna change your life. Like, you need to do it. So the blue is the sad kid, because he doesn't have enough of what he needs. They need food, water, and medical service, and shelter. And the yellow is the happy kid, because he has enough of what he needs, and he's been sponsored. We can all show kids the love of Jesus. Sponsor a child and make a difference.